Welcome to the Musea Podcast. This is episode number 33, and I'm Michael Howard, the founder and CEO of Musea. For this podcast, I had the honor of talking with uh, editorial and fine art photographer Troy Staines. Uh, he's a photographer down in Atlanta. Uh, but before we get to our interview and conversation, as uh, obviously some announcements I have. Uh, first off, you notice the song is probably a little different uh, for the intro. Uh, that song is actually uh, recorded, uh, written by, and um, sang uh, by Troy Staines. So the uh, photographer we interviewed today is um, talented and quite multifaceted. Um, but the name of that song is uh, When You're Gonna Gimme, and it's from a side project um, he did a couple years ago called The Soft Option. Um, but uh, a couple other announcements uh, that we have is uh, October 17th here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm going to be uh, talking about Musea. Uh, it's just a Musea event. It's free. Uh, so if you are in the middle Tennessee area or if you even want to come in uh, to Nashville, um, I will be talking about Musea, my long-term vision for what Musea is, uh, how you know, I'm going to achieve that and what we're going to be doing in 2013 and hopefully beyond. And so uh, I'll be also taking uh, questions and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully we'll be going out for drinks and food afterwards. So if you're in the area um, and want to come along, that would be amazing. You can just go to the Musea Facebook page and just click on events and all the information is there. Uh, also... We uh, still have tickets for sale for the New York City uh, Musea Gathering. Uh, who's going to be teaching in that is, again, Sam Blake Spencer uh, Lum, which he just had a podcast or just had a blog post uh, that I put on the blog uh, this week called Woe Is Me, which is phenomenal. So if you have not read that, go to the Musea blog. Um, and then also John Dolan and Holger Thoss. So I've done podcasts with all these people, so you can go back and look at previous podcasts if you want to learn more. Um, but the Musea Gathering is going to be a three-day event. I think it's going to be an amazing time to learn from these four amazing photographers, but it's also going to be an amazing time to connect with the other photographers that are going to be attending um, and learning from each other You know, after... After the uh, education events, those three days, and hopefully we'll get some of you guys to stay, you know, come a day early or stay a day later and, you know, go to the Museum Modern, you know, the Museum of Modern Art and some of the galleries and things like that around New York City just because there's so much photo history in that uh, town. And so I think it's going to be a great uh, time just to connect, recharge, uh, get some inspiration from four completely different photographers and, uh, will, you know, set you up hopefully for a good 2013. Um, also, last one is if you are looking for online proofing, uh, check us out at mymusea.com. we got some awesome new features in the works, uh, and we'll just be rolling those out here in a few weeks. Um, but if you're looking for something like that, um, especially as the shooting months tend to slow down a little bit, 
here as we get into fall and, and winter. Uh, let me know, uh, even if you would like to Skype or something, I can totally do that, and I can uh, answer all your questions. So you can just shoot me an email at michael at mymusea.com, and uh, I'll help you out with that. So that's it. Uh, on to the podcast with Troy Staines. Um, you're going to love this guy. He's hilarious. Uh, we talk about the sarcastic humor that is in his work and this kind of idea of detached observation and how Walker Percy has had a big influence on him and especially a personal project that he's doing right now. Um, how, you know, like the Dada movement in um, art history has influenced him. And then he also does videos and we talk some about his video work and then I posted those on the Musea blog as well. So I think you're really going to like uh, him, his perspective. He has a, a little bit of like a Wes Anderson um, mindset and philosophy on things. So um, I think he's somebody that you'll be inspired by. So as always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week with another podcast. Thanks so much. Troy, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. How you doing today? I'm doing okay. Okay, not <laughs> not great. Not uh, not the standard amazing answer. No, no. I just got some. I just got some feedback from a, a photo editor who. It was one of those like, did you not see what I wanted in my emails? One of those. So, mm. uh, I'm doing okay. <laughs> was this a paid job we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, um, bummer. Yeah, it was funny. They they sent me like reference pictures that was like mid twenties lifestyle model. Yeah, and, you know, just like really pretty stuff. And then I had to shoot a sixty five year old lady. So oh. like, clearly that's not going to line up. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, whatever. So. I don't know if this is how you want to start out your podcast. No, it's good. I like, yeah, the daily update is great. But yeah, the, uh, we, want it, we want it to look like uh, a pretty mid-20s model. Yeah. And here's a 65-year-old nurse. Right. Have fun. Yeah. Photoshop that. Yeah. yeah. It was fine. I think the pictures turned out fine, but I don't think they were jazzed on them. But <laughs> that's how it goes, I think. That is how it goes. Welcome to the life of a uh, real photographer here. Editorial. I'm thinking of quitting. Right. <laughs> I hate my job. Uh, hilarious. Well, I'm excited to chat with you. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun, especially getting into your work and such. But um, the first thing I always ask everybody is just to give me and the listeners, obviously, just a bit of a history lesson on you when you first picked up a camera and how you got started in this crazy industry and such. Okay. Um, I mean, I guess it would have been my mom's camera. Um, I have a pretty vivid in, uh, vivid memory of uh, 
opening like a uh, like a 80s point and shoot and just opening it like I'm six years old and just pulling out the film and being like, hey, mom, what's this? And she's like, no! <laughs> and I'm just like, so this brown stuff turns into pictures? Like, no, not anymore. <laughs> anyway, so that's probably literally the first time. Um, but, you know, just started shooting in high school, did the like, hey, I'm going to take a uh, graphic arts course that has photography as part of it. And uh, so I got all of my my graveyard pictures out of the way. <laughs> Early cemetery probably also. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the, uh, the shooting on that weird, like, black and white film that you can process in color and it just looks weird. Right. And uh, I got, yeah, I got a lot of good graveyard shots. <laughs> but uh all that to say like mostly my life has been i started playing piano when i was five and uh uh started taking guitar lessons I, t- I took piano lessons until i was 14 i was like mom like this is not cool like, <laughs> cooler instrument i'm not gonna get any chicks on the piano uh, anyway all this to say uh, yeah started playing guitar and done a lot of music through my life a lot of just playing in bands and uh, songwriting and stuff. And, uh, but it ended up with uh, this one band I was in. Three of the guys started a graphic design kind of marketing firm. And I just kind of got absorbed into that. Uh, the band, incidentally, was called Unicorns the Musical. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and MySpace page. Oh. Uh, that has two hilarious tracks on it, which is pretty worth checking out. I, yeah, I think I should find that and link this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that the opening music? Okay. Actually, I don't know. Yeah, if there is any opening music, I, I kind of want to send a couple of tracks. Oh, I, I have opening music, and I would love the unicorns. Okay, yeah, yeah. To so be <laughs> small people interlude in the middle. But, uh, yeah, so I ended up... What's funny is I worked at this vintage guitar store when I was, like, 21. I'm old now. I'm 31. Oh, wow. It's awful. I don't know if you got <laughs> but if you do turn 31, just end it all. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was, like, 21. I started working in this uh, vintage guitar store and had to, like, take – they wanted fancy pictures of their guitar. So I was like, I think I could do this. And so I just started to learn a little bit about using Flash and stuff. And uh, that's kind of where I cut my teeth on that kind of stuff. Uh, but I don't really use that much light in my stuff. I like to use natural light. All this to say, I ended up working at this graphic design firm and uh, ended up doing a lot of product photography. And uh, their big client was uh, Johnson & Johnson's Feminine Health Division. Mm. And so there's <laughs> a lot of monostat. A lot of KY. <laughs> um, and these are all for, like, they call them FSIs, freestanding inserts. In wow. the Sunday paper, you know, you're like, where's the crossword? Oh, this is a good deal on KY. Right. Um, so. I should pocket that. Totally. Um, oh, three EPT pregnancy tests for the price of two? As well, I mean, I don't think I'm pregnant, but that's a good deal. Uh, <laughs> say did a lot of that and then they were kind of ahead of the curve on laying people off (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in in 08 so like 
me and like two other friends just like we sensed some rumblings you know lawyers heading in and out of the office and weird things like that and uh and then and whispers and and uh and then we got laid off and then i was just like you know what that's it if i'm unemployed i don't want it to be because you know like yeah I don't want it to be someone else's fault. I want it to be because I'm lazy. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I've been lazy ever since. <laughs> so, so okay, which I guess was uh, four years ago. So that's that's my freelance career beginning there. Um, if nice. you want a career. Yeah. But, Interesting. Uh, so, yeah, so how has that been the past four years for you getting up and rolling? Because it seems like, a you know, everybody says it's kind of a hard time to build a career right now. Yeah, totally. It was like, uh, in one way, I was kind of like optimistic. I was like, well, you know what? If you can make it work right now when everyone says that it sucks, like, if it ever does pick back up again, you'll totally rolling in the dough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like uh it's funny, uh I uh I have a friend who's a recording engineer here, Matt Goldman, and he does like a bunch of like like heavy bands and stuff. And uh so it's just a friend from, you know, me playing music and he, he has this big studio that's actually the oldest operational studio in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um and it's also incidentally where Prince wrote Purple Rain. Nice. Uh, and it, that's been confirmed by several people. All this to say, it had a weird, like, attic apartment place that I totally just crashed for, like, a good long while when I, and just didn't have any money and, like, would, like, every now and then, like, uh, uh, you know, get something, like, a band would come through and they're like, our label's got, like, 250 bucks, you know, <laughs> for, for all of our promotion. <laughs> Right. Can you uh, shoot us? I was like, yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, it's like uh, just kind of slow, steady build, and it's kind of picked up. There's still like real. Uh, there's real famine in the world. <laughs> yeah. Um, both creatively and literally, you know. Right. Uh, so it's sometimes it gets slow, and then it's you know, clearly feast or famine. That is. That is a cliche for a reason. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. So you've been naturally creative your whole life, it seems like. I guess so. I guess you could call it that. In the arts, in one form or another. I'm an artist. It's yeah. not a deal, but I'm an artist. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, well, looking at your work specifically... Um, Instantly, you know, you realize that it has a bit of a, of a dry, sarcastic humor mm-hmm. to it, okay. um, in a way. But I feel like it's also very thought out. Like it's mm-hmm. very cerebral at the same time. Um, you know, I, I guess I would maybe label it like smart humor <laughs> or something. So, uh, so I'm just curious on where that comes from for you. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, uh, this is pretty funny. Like, just, 
a guy I, I've read a lot of his books. I think like all of his stuff is this guy named Walker Percy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd say that's kind of a big influence just kind of like on my angle on life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the angle of approach. And, uh, and I guess that, and yeah, clearly that comes through in everything you do. If you can, you know, you, you decided, or, you know, you have a way that you, have found that you think the world works, you know? Um, but yeah, you know, things like Walker Percy and Kurt Vonnegut, like that, this kind of strange, like humorous look at how, you know, tragic everything is, you know, and that's, I'm really, I'm bad at putting it in words, but, uh, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess just, yeah, I mean, where your humor in terms of, you know, your personality come from? Is that something you got from, like, your family, your parents? Yeah. Uh, just something that's just naturally always been there? You're born with it? I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. I like to think that the Southern man has a, a particular kind of humor. <laughs> um, there's a, a really weird kind of dry wit in the South and a way of, like, putting things into words that I don't think exists elsewhere, you know? Mm. Like, you know, clearly everyone's funny everywhere, but, like, uh, you know, like maybe up north someone will just tell you you look like a cannoli or something. (laughs) And in the south they'll, I don't know, say something a little wittier maybe. Uh, No, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, maybe it's that. And uh, But I think it's definitely like reading different authors and stuff and uh it's kind of like the understanding that uh like humor is you know just springs from tragedy and like the absurdity of certain life situations mm-hmm. like like I, I probably laugh in a lot of incorrect times, <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah uh, just because it's like oh you know some some Stuff's really hitting the fan right now. But take a look at how ridiculous this all is, you know? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I don't like it to be, I mean, hopefully in my pictures it comes across as uh, reasonably intelligent and not just like a fart joke. Yeah. Um, Because while fart jokes are funny and will continue to be funny, (laughs) (laughs) they're they're not too highbrow. Right. I want to land at least middle of the brow. Right. Yeah. Middle upper, preferably. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if you look at sarcasm, I guess in general, um, a lot of people use sarcasm to um, as a way of pointing to things they see in the world or whatever mm-hmm. truth. You know, certain messages get across sometimes um, when you present them in a sarcastic fashion instead of just the facts. <laughs> Totally. It's like, it's filters and it's like a lot of things like that are definitely like kind of coping mechanisms that you do, you know, mm-hmm. to deal with the world. Like you'll say something that you really truly feel, but like can't say it with the full weight and you'll put it in a joke or sarcasm, you know? Yeah. But like the world's gotten so sarcastic and like cynical that sometimes there's like three layers of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, just just telling someone, hey, nice shirt, you know, like, when you, like, 
really hate their shirt, you know? <laughs> I guess that's one level of sarcasm, but yeah. it, it's just weird. It's, it's like it more and more confusing and then also more and more kind of like opportunity for ways to say things, you know? Yeah. I think, I don't want my stuff to be like sarcastic or cynical or anything like that because I, you know, I'm a pretty cynical person. <laughs> but I, I'm trying to... Uh, avoid that and not be negative and stuff and uh hopefully the end result of anything i do would be uh uplifting and positive yeah to my fellow man yeah. um, so talk to me um about this walker percy guy because uh, i know you're doing the project a project based on yeah, yeah, kind of bit. basically like lifted the title of uh, my favorite <laughs> book of his called Lost in the Cosmos. Yeah. It's called Lost in the Cosmos or The Last Self-Help Book Ever. <laughs> and it's kind of this, it's it's a mock self-help book that's got to be totally way more helpful than any actual self-help book. Um, good friend of mine, Ryan Hancock, who used to be a roommate here and lives in Brooklyn now. And he's a photographer up there. Um, he kind of turned me on to that book. He gave it to me, and I like let it sit around, and I was like, "Yeah, whatever. I'm not gonna read that." And then I finally picked it up one day. And uh, yeah, Walker Percy was this author. He's like Southern Catholic author. He's from uh, New Orleans, kind of north of there. And uh, he's kind of like, you know, he's Catholic, so he's like, he was kind of too too conservative and Christian for, like, mainstream success. He would touch on stuff like that every now and then, and uh, and also too crass to be, like, C.S. Lewis, you know, mm-hmm. to, uh, to to Christians and stuff. And, uh, but all this to say, he's, like, the, the bulk of his work has to deal with, like, just the modern malaise in life, the, the wide... I have a full-time job and a great family and a great house and I'm completely depressed, you know, mm-hmm. like, why is that? And then why, like when, when you're on a plane that's about to plunge in the ocean, can you feel most alive? You know? Yeah. It's just like, uh, these, uh, paradoxes, you know, these inverse <clears throat> things. And he, like a super skilled He's skilled at diagnosing that malaise, not just pointing it out, uh, but uh, kind of diagnosing, you know, what leads to it or whatever. And he's got this these crazy theories that go into, like, ontology and semiotics and all these crazy big words about, like, study of signs and uh, meanings and their interactions and stuff. And uh, it's pretty... Like, Lost in the Cosmos is a good read, but it has this one section in the middle that's, like, it's pretty pretty technical and will just melt your mind. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's uh, I think he's pretty great. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so, yeah, I mean, to springboard off of that, I mean, go in more in detail about the Lost in the Cosmos project because it's, you know, because I, I know that you were featured on, like, Vice Magazine yeah. recently. Oh, yeah, that's what I mentioned uh, mentioned earlier. Like, so Vice called me up 
or you know emailed me and they were like hey I like your work can you send us some new work and so I just sent them a bunch of stuff and like a little write up and uh, they did a blog post and that was good but uh, like the first comment that someone put on there was this like old guy named Ansel <laughs> and he's like like three photo three good photo 101 pictures and this guy gets a gets a blog feature um he's like leave walker Percy out of this he's dead he can't defend himself and i just thought that was uh pretty funny um <laughs> which is the nature of comments on the internet yeah so. totally. it's funny because yeah, i feel like everyone kind of feels that way they're like are like oh so this guy's getting featured here you know like look at that guy he can't even focus on the thing or whatever you know yeah like critiquing all this stuff and there's vitriol in your heart, you know. Right. But, uh, you should you, you should just keep it in there, and, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and not. There's there's the other cliche you can't say you can't say nothing good, don't say it. Right. Um, but anyway, so yeah. So, uh, yeah. So with the project, I mean, are you so you're going around doing graphic representations of this feeling of. Being, you said in the yeah. thing about feeling of being deta- a detached self haunting one's own body. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, that's kind of yeah, another thing Walker Percy kind of brings up. He talks about what he calls the Cartesian split, which is, I don't even know how to say the guy's name correctly, Dick, Descartes, you know, who's like, says, I think, therefore I am, you know? Yeah. And Walker Percy thinks that that was just like this tragic moment in human history where where the self became aware of itself, you know? Where, like, yourself and your body are not this, like, one thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And and you just can't deal with that. So you feel like, you know, the feeling of, like, when you feel like you're in your own head just watching your body, you know? Like, yeah. looking at your hands, like, whose hands are these, you know? <laughs> like, uh, and so anyway, in Lost in the Cosmos, Walker Percy kind of talks about, you know, how we're haunting the cosmos, we're haunting our own selves and stuff. And uh, there's, like, all these big metaphors where he talks about, like, you know, transcendence through through the arts and through science and stuff like that. And there's all these big transcendent moments. But, like, when you're orbiting, you know, in the cosmos, you have to re-enter, you know, the atmosphere and come back down to Earth at some point. And, uh, you know when you re-enter an atmosphere, things burn up. And uh, that's kind of his, uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever, ever experienced this, but, like, when you have, like, a big creative burst on some kind of personal project or whatever, mm-hmm. like, uh, some friends I write with, this band called The Explorers Club, like, we, we've we written two records together. And, uh, like, I went to Charleston to, like, write a record with my friend Jason, and, like, we just, like, hit it hard for like 12 days and like cranked out a bunch of songs that were like, I think are really good. And uh, then just like leaving there was just such a, like a feeling of like, yeah, accomplishment, but also just such a let down from like that creative high of just like, Oh no, I think we're nailing this every day. Like we're making like, you know, getting like one or two songs a day, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's kind of like the metaphor that, Walker Percy kind of applied to that orbiting in the cosmos and re-entry and burning up and all this stuff. And, you know, that coupled with, you know, feeling like a ghost in your own body at times, you know, like not knowing who you are 
or what you know what's happening really yeah um and uh so yeah just and like i said in that, that vice post like i've just been shooting you know the stuff i told you is kind of like the beginning of my like editorial career and stuff um if you want to call it a career <laughs> and uh but you know what i didn't talk about is that what i did talk about in the vice article or the the blog was uh just i've been shooting for years you know you're shooting a lot of personal stuff on film and like medium format and some large format stuff just shooting like not toward anything in particular just like well maybe i'll have a show one day and maybe i'll put up some pictures i've put up a couple of pictures in like random coffee shop things i've never had like a personal exhibition but all this to say i finally feel like i've hit on something where i feel like i could actually express a uh kind of cohesive idea mm-hmm. start shooting towards something personally as you know a personal art project and uh but yeah i mean basically for that project i was just talking it over with my friend ryan in brooklyn and just trying to suss it all out and just kind of the feeling of like more literally like an alien who is lost in the cosmos who is like taking pictures of just like really basic uh, documentation of these things. He comes across either things that remind him of home, like, like that shot of the big dipper, you know, like yeah. just things that are actual astral bodies, but represented by things. Clearly, clearly I'm limited to uh, shooting on earth. Right. <laughs> but that's what I like about it. Like the pennies that make the big dipper, you know, or the, uh, there's like a beach ball in a uh, inner tube that's, that's clearly Saturn. Clearly, uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of like this detached being who, for whatever reason, is wandering through the cosmos and uh, recording either things that are familiar to him or things that are new and he doesn't know. And uh, kind of like uh, recording them with a, a kind of Kurt Vonnegut-type irony, you know? Um, yeah. Just kind of like there's one there's one in that series. I mean, this is like a totally small series at this point, but I want it to be pretty expansive of like you know, thirty or forty pictures. Uh, but there's one of a house that that some guy just built like in a pit. So like, all you see is a road and this hedge of bushes and a little bit of a roof uh, peeking above these bushes, and it's just like, you know, as like a detached observer, you're just like. Oh, you know, that's a house. And as a human, you're just like, that's an idiotic place to put a house. <laughs> so it's it's kind of, yeah, maybe it's a detached observation. Yeah. Uh, playing against uh, what we actually know. Um, I think that's what, a lot, like, a lot of, like, what you like about story or song or whatever is like, you're comparing what you're hearing or seeing or taking in to your own, like, physical and emotional form, you know? And you're mm-hmm. seeing uh, all the, the notches and everything line up. Um, but uh, that's it. That's all. Yeah. No, that's good. I mean, you know, looking at your your work, I was, I was just curious of who – you know, I mean, you've obviously named some people that kind of influence you, but 
you know, even people of thinking um, of like Wes Anderson, the director. Yeah, yeah. If you if you really pay attention to what he does, because I feel like there's some similarities in some ways, at least in terms of the humor, even like some of your videos have that yeah. vibe. Yeah, totally. Yeah, this is. Uh, I guess you looked at the video, the videos on the site. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there's one I did for a band here. It's like the first video I've directed. It's just like super loosey goosey, no budget, um, but uh, just kind of like a Spanish Dada like thing. And uh, like, admittedly, like super influenced by uh, this uh, this Spanish video called El Guincho. <laughs> and uh, it's just like it's like just Dada influence. It's just like weird fine art randomness you know mm-hmm. like let's think of let's think of a shot that involves some things that could like maybe seem like it's a metaphor for something and it might even be but let's i'm not even going to explore that right now i'm just going to roll a lemon up in a car window and see what happens you know or like uh we're gonna we're gonna set this toaster on fire you know or, you know, we're gonna have one of our friends chug uh, honey from a, a honey bear until it's all gone. Yeah. Uh, but uh, sorry, what? Oh yeah, so Wes Anderson. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, he's clearly like he's in the zeitgeist. You know, he's a he's a, a big influence out there. Um, I like him a lot. Um, uh, yeah, as far as, I mean, Elmer's, you know, a big influence. There's, uh, this local theater here has been showing some, uh, like, all of Kubrick's movies for the last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Kubrick's great. And, you know, I'm not even, I'm not even really good at expressing it in words. It's like, it sounds like a cop-out, but if, if I was good at words, I'd just write essays, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, that's what's funny when someone wants a really articulate artist statement about something. And there are people who are great at it, you know? But I'm just an idiot. <laughs> it's hard. I mean, I think a lot of photographers struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Um, or really any visual artist because you have to... I think we act so much out of, like, our intuition in some ways. But I think it also helps you grow as an artist as well because it helps you kind of understand really what you're doing helps you wrestle through it, and then once you put it on paper, you can, like, oh, look, this is how I'm working, and so we can identify it and push it forward even more, you know? Yeah, it is really good. Um, I'm just lazy. <laughs> There's the lazy thing again. Yeah, I mean... Good to it's, talk about it here, you know? Like, I don't, I don't know why I'm shooting certain things, you know? Yeah, that's okay. Classify and, like, just to know what more what to look for, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I, like, the reference to, like, the, the Dada thing makes a lot of sense. And even, yeah, that, that Sea Lions Golden video, I was thinking, or even even that and your work, it feels, it feels like a weird dream in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. And so I didn't know if, mm-hmm. if that had any sort of tie-in to where it's, yeah, it's just things that are, you just feel like you woke up out of a weird dream and you're like, what? Mm-hmm. What the hell yeah. is that? <laughs> that uh-huh. made no sense whatsoever, but uh-huh. I kind of like it. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Like, uh, I have a friend who's a director, like a music video director, guy Jimmy Myers, and he's like, uh, um, you know, he wants to do film, so he's like all constantly reading up on all this stuff, and like, and he was just saying, you know, film read somewhere, but then kind of further expanded on like film is a. Uh, in one way, it's like dreams. Like, say you dream that you're, you drove a car off a cliff. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you dream that because it, maybe it's your, your brain actually preparing for that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, and just storing all of this data to be like, so when you accidentally do fly out of a window of, you know, some massive building, uh, well, first of all, there's nothing you, you can really do. But second of all... <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, like, it's kind of your brain preparing for that. And and film, you know, can have that dream-like quality, uh, whether it is even, like, a dream sequence or just, like, a regular film to just show you, like, you know, how do people interact and react in situations. And, you know, you're constantly, you know, I think whether you realize it or not, being like, well, when I'm in that situation, what will I do, you know? And uh, that's like that's like a huge way that the arts or whatever you know film or whatever is useful that I think people don't think about a lot. You know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do when transformers come to the earth? It's I know, <laughs> <laughs> which is also uh, me and uh, are big on this. Is, there's this kind of humor called bathos. Uh-huh. Where you like say like you know really lofty things and then follow it up like with something like that you know yeah it's really important and what are you going to do when transformers come to the earth right <laughs> like the contrast of like really lofty stuff and really stupid stuff yeah um, bathos is worth looking into yeah but, I mean I probably like incorporate that subconsciously into uh, my photography as well yeah you know the bathos of, of a house being built in a, a pit or whatever, you know? Right. It's ridiculous. Like, it was a, a friend of mine's neighbor, like, a friend of mine's dad's neighbor. This guy was, like, really pushy about getting this property or something like that, and no one was actually supposed to build there, but he got really pushy, and he was like, I'm going to build this house here. <laughs> Can't see out of it. Like, all right, man, have a good time. <laughs> um... In terms of, like, photographer influences, I mean, because there's the humor part of obviously what you're doing, but I think in a lot of ways you're also dealing with, if you saw some of the images isolated mm-hmm. without any context for what you're doing, um, some of them some of them have a snapshot feel. Some of them don't. They're very purposeful in, like, how they're framed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know if... You know, people that deal with some of that kind of everyday subject matter, uh, you know, like William Eggleston and things like that, mm-hmm. if, if those were kind of an influence for you where you're kind of making the familiar unfamiliar in a weird way? Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I like that a lot. And I think that can contribute to the, like, the, you know, the strangeness that I want to be in my own work, you know? Uh, yeah, the William Eggleston, like, democratic camera idea. The, like, you know, 
stuff that you would previously ignore if you like look at it a certain way it's just super strange you know um and there's this guy named Maury Gortemiller I don't know exactly how to say his name here and he's a really good photographer uh, I like his work a lot and he but he is like super eloquent with uh, words and stuff and he was talking about like man I can't remember the word he used but yeah taking the familiar and making it unfamiliar is uh yeah like William Eggleston is clearly a big influence you know um yeah, like Stephen Shore does some of that stuff back in the yeah, day yeah exactly but, um yeah I mean any of the like massive like color photographers mm-hmm. you know, since the 70s like or you know the, the late 60s and the 70s like of course they're gonna be a huge influence uh I'm super stoked I'm gonna go see uh Joel Sternfeld uh speak tonight and and, and he's he's great there's like a lot of large format stuff um I kind of feel like I mean like could, he's a big name in fine art photography but I I feel like he's a little under celebrated but uh he's speaking here tonight Atlanta's doing this thing called Atlanta Celebrates Photography and they got a bunch of people coming to talk awesome um, there's this guy named Brian Ulrich who I'm going to see next month as well. He did uh, he did this whole series of like empty shopping malls and like abandoned uh, uh, like circuit cities and weird stuff like that, and uh, which uh, sounds a little maybe cliche because you think of people like going to like Detroit and shooting abandoned stuff, but it's like. His stuff has some this weird level of, of strangeness to it. Um, I'm really excited to hear him speak. Um, but yeah, like stuff like uh, you know, this guy Tim Barber, like who's super famous, of course, uh, shoots a lot of uh, you know his own fine art stuff. But he shoots you know just strictly point and shoot. But not strictly, but back in the day he did, and now he shoots a lot of like pretty more controlled, like, fashion stuff. Um, but, yeah, I, in my own personal work, I started out on medium format. And, uh, you know, I was pretty controlled with it. And then with, uh, if you shoot any large format, you have to be, you clearly can't point and shoot with those. <laughs> no. It's going to be really calculated, even if you're trying to make a kind of snapshotty thing. Um yeah, I don't know, like, my, uh, I used to try to do things really controlled, and I always thought that, like, my dad worked for Mercedes-Benz from the time I was one till I was, like, uh, like, 28, and, uh, and my dad was always, like, building things and, like, had lathes and, like, milling machines and stuff, and so, like, I was raised in this kind of, like, southern-slash-German-esque way you know mm. there was this guy that worked at mercedes with him who uh his he started working at the i was like just after world war ii started working in berlin for mercedes-benz and they like they gave him a steel dowel rod of a certain measurement and they were like now file this to a square of such and such a measurement and then he had to get it within so many thousands of an inch and then when he finally filed it into a square, they were like, okay, now back into a cylinder. 
And so, like, I think they made him do that a couple of times. And, like, is this old uh, old German guy named Ziggy. Um, and he would, like, always tell that story. And I just thought it was awesome, like, that kind of precision and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I was kind of, like, raised with that, you know? Like, even the way my dad made me edge the yard, you know, was really was pretty intense. <laughs> Uh, so I think I'm trying to, yeah, definitely trying to stray away from that, not to like lose it, but just to see what else there is. And, uh, I bought, you know, several just old 35 millimeter point and shoots. The, the one I told you about pulling the film out of when I was six or so. Yeah. I found that like exact same model. Cause that's like, that's what I think of as a camera still. Um, it's a Nikon L35 AF. I've got one of those now. And I got a couple of point and shoots, and uh, yeah, I mean, you're just like you using stuff like hard flash lately, you know. Just I just keep blazing through these like rolls of film on point and shoot, and you know, maybe you'll get like three or four good shots that you really want to keep, but it's kind of fun. Yeah. Do you <clears throat> a little bit about like your creative? process which is like another hard thing probably to talk about um do you come up with ideas for shoots like do you do like a lot of pre-playing and then you execute it or do you often just kind of like walk around and just discover things or is it like a mix of both for you um uh kind of a mix of both i used to try to do more like conceptualizing and planning but i think that was because i was like a more insecure photographer, you know? Because if you got this big plan and this set and everything, it's like, that's clearly going to be impressive. And, like, even if you're not a good photographer, you, maybe you'll probably get something. And that maybe that sounds really critical of, of certain photographers, but <laughs> um, all this to say, I don't do that a lot anymore. I did one a little while ago, and I just didn't even like it. So... But yeah, like uh, my friend Ryan turned me on to this guy uh, Gabriel Orozco, who is a fine artist, but he's not even really a photographer. He's a, this guy who will like walk around and like kind of like uh, the big word is like intervention, you know, intervening with your environment, like seeing something maybe that's a little odd or whatever, and then changing something slightly about it, and then taking a picture. It's kind of like strange, like. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to say it, like, just sculptural work in one way, mm-hmm. you know, where you're doing this weird, like... Kind of found object kind of... Sort of like found object stuff, but, yeah, you know, it's like Duchamp's urinal, but uh, you take a picture of it. Um, and there's a lot of people who do that, like, they'll do, like, pretty involved sculptures just to shoot a picture of it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was looking at this girl's, like, Tumblr or something the other day who, like, just these, like, pretty, like, crazy, crazy sculptures and all this yarn and all this stuff and would take a picture of it and then just destroy the original. And it's just, like, I mean, that's super interesting. Uh, I'm too lazy for that. <laughs> yeah, definitely, like, wander around. Um, it's just driving a lot, you know, or whatever, just driving around and then, like, oh, my God, what is that, you know? And just kind of, I don't know, just, like, focusing on the strangeness of the world around you, you know? 
Yeah. Um, and I, I tell I tell people that I put the free in freelance. <laughs> I'm usually free. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm in around and like uh, finding strange things or whatever, you know. Talk a little bit. I want to know more about like the Matador series. Oh yeah, that one's funny. And what the where you came up with the idea for that, and um, what what that whole thing is is about because it's pretty hilarious. That's that's another one of my photographer friends. This guy John Kelso. He uh, shoots you know just his own personal work and stuff. And uh, so I had the Matador outfit for this shoot for my friends band the explorers club and we just wanted to rip off like a herb alpert album cover like where it's like just this beautiful model on like a green seamless or whatever you know Mm. just like a couple of props like flowers just like a 1970 easy listening trumpet solo record you know yeah so we actually that's not on my site i don't need to put that on there but I think we nailed it. I shot it on the Hasselblad, and we like had this girl in a matador outfit with a, a guitar, and like all the, and made these big paper Mexican flowers that we suspended from like the ceiling and stuff. And uh, so I just shot it like all in one frame. And uh, like I think even on the 12 inch LP version, you can see the fishing line for the flowers and stuff, which is pretty fun. But <laughs> all this to say, so I shot that album cover with this great looking matador girl um <laughs> uh so i was like it was like a weekend rental for this suit and i was like i've got a matador outfit for the weekend like what am I going to do with this and um you know i guess because you know again like my angle of approach at life thinking about how mundane it can be and how you know the the malaise of it or whatever the boredom and the just weird being depressed about nothing at times i just thought about like you know a matador in the off season like a matador is this character who's like clearly got a transcendent life all the time like they're huge celebrities basically or at least back in the day they were yeah funny this like spanish magazine saw it and like wanted to like they asked me a couple of questions and like did a little interview and then they were like what do you think about <laughs> bullfighting since and because it was like it's really uh it's pretty uh controversial over there now mm-hmm. sometimes um but uh anyways all this to say i just started thinking about you know, a bullfighter is just like constantly on this this weird high of like narrowly escaping danger and like maybe even getting gored or maybe dying and stuff. And uh, but clearly there's there's got to be some downtime in a matador <laughs> matador's career. Uh, uh, he's a bit bummed, <laughs> you know. Yeah, just kind of really. It's almost like too on the nose comical, you know. Like, hey, guess what? He's in his matador outfit the whole time. In winter, they they're still in their matador outfits. Um, so yeah, I just called my friend Kelso just because 
I was just like, he looked ridiculous in a Matador outfit, and he would hate the entire experience. <laughs> in public, I'm sure, too. It's like, I planned a couple of shots. I had, like, ten shots that I did, and not all of them worked out. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, some of them did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the dog is a nice touch, I think, so... His name is Copernicus, and uh, it was a good dog. He just sat there. <laughs> I'm really proud of the, uh, the one with the dog where where my friend John is, like, uh, pointing his toes. I'm really, I, re- I really like that touch. Yeah. Ballerina-ish or something. Ballet dancer kind of touch. Um, I mean, with, like, your video and your still work, obviously, like, color is a big important factor for you um so how do you go about kind of using color deciding what color to use for your projects um a lot of it is like kind of happenstance you know like sometimes you just like to me there's only there's like three colors you know the primaries and like the the 1968 william eggleston versions of those colors mm-hmm. they're like just the prime red, yellow, and blue, and the the yellow can't be too cool going into green, and it's got to be really dense and like pretty dark, and the blue can't be too purplish, you know, going toward red. And uh, anyway, I'll just say like that's a, a really weird like anal thing, I guess. But yeah, just attracted to like big blocks of color, you know, and sometimes. Sometimes you stumble into a scene that just has that right thing going on where you're like, oh, there's this red wall here and, like, uh, yellow yellow parking stops and lines and stuff and uh, a blue, a slate blue sky, you know, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. A lot of it has happened since. I'm not, like, a, like, in video work or whatever, like, a crazy intense like art director or anything who's like gonna plan everything out you know but i guess you know clearly it's a little calculated um yeah i'm thinking like you know when in that i know like the sea lions video where it's got like all the smoke in the car oh yeah there's like a it's kind of like a red gel or something in there yeah totally that was just so. why i had that idea <laughs> That was fun, though. That video was just, like, basically... It was an excuse to do that kind of video, you know? Yeah. Really, they, like... Probably probably could have done some other kind of treatment for it or whatever, but, uh... Yeah, I don't know what that... I was just trying to think of a bunch of weird Dada stuff, you know? Just, like... A while ago, I thought of, like... Maybe doing some shoot where there's a car, like, out in the woods with smoke in it, you know? Mm-hmm. You're just... Like, why is the car filled with smoke? And then I was just like, well, I'll throw... That was like a, like a Kino light with a, a red gel on it. Or, like, red and pink and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's never anything, like, calcu- like way calculated. Like, the red will symbolize this, you know? Yeah. Thing, uh, and sometimes it's just complete, like, happenstance, you know? Like... Uh, I don't know. We want something to be a certain color. What color do we have that in? You know? <laughs> yeah. 
do you this is kind of a random thought you're breaking up okay um but like with your work whether video or still is there do you get some sort of pleasure out of creating questions almost like you want your images to make the viewer ask like what is going on that kind of thing yeah for sure like i want them to like uh like, you're not providing answers. You're more, like, providing questions. Yeah, yeah. I want definitely, like, a viewer to, like, line up what they know, you know, with what they see. And there to be a contrast there, you know? Like, uh... Yeah, I mean, because I definitely, like, steer away from, like, uh... No, I, re- I really do love, like, Stephen Shore and stuff, but I think... I think a lot of people have taken his work as license to like, well, man, I'm just going to point a big old camera wherever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, I want it to be a little, I'm not saying that Stephen Shore is this, he's like clearly like very calculated and like knows exactly what he's doing. But like, I want, you know, my stuff to be a little more calculated than, uh, like pointing a camera wherever and like, oh, that's a picture of the side of a wall. Like, well, what's, you know, what's special about that wall or like what does it, what bearing does it have on composition or whatever? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's really weird. I, I didn't go to art school or anything. <laughs> so like I can't like express it a, like super eloquently. Um, I went to school for audio recording. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Maybe you should be doing podcasts. <laughs> um, or engineering one. Yeah. I could engineer the hell out of a podcast right now. Yeah, it would be amazing. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't really thought of it in terms of that. But yeah. Contrast of what the viewer knows to be true about their own world with, you know, contrasting with what is in... You know my pictures, I guess. Yeah, it's like is that? I want I want associations to like bounce around and like I I think of like associations as like sparking off of each other like flint. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's just a weird physical metaphor, but I don't know. Like ideas like have to come together and like and you know they they need to touch and make some kind of weird spark, and if they touch and and don't spark. It, that's boring, and I don't want to be around for it. <laughs> <laughs> do you? Are you? Um, do you feel like you're going to move uh, into video more, or do you pretty content with just doing still stuff? I mean, whatever. Like I've uh, I've DP'd a couple of things, been like director of photography on just a couple of, like super low budget music videos, um, and. Uh, did a uh I was director of photography on a short last uh last spring I think it was and so like definitely and in Atlanta there's like I mean I don't know if you hear much up in Nashville but like Atlanta Georgia did this like uh tax credit thing uh for the movies <clears throat> and so like all these this big LA productions have been coming out and that just like everyone that I've known for like the last 10 years here has like started working in that industry now. Like, like, Oh, you're doing 
grip and electric work on the new Owen Wilson movie or whatever, you know? Yeah. So, so the movies have come to Atlanta and uh, there's more and more of that. And uh, just by, by virtue of that being here, like more people are having a, you know, like, oh, we're going to do a short or whatever, or hey, we want to do this personal project that's like a weird, obtuse, fine art thing. Do you want to help? And uh, so, yeah, definitely want to do more of that stuff. Um, and uh, we're actually talking to me and my friend Jason Travis, who we call J Trav. Uh, <laughs> from, uh, he's from here. A friend of his, this girl named Natalie Prass up there in, uh, in Nashville. Um, we're probably going to do a video for her next month. Uh, but it's going to be hopefully... Hopefully a little artsy. So. Nice. Is she country? What's that? <laughs> Is she country? A singer-songwriter. Okay. I just have to assume everybody's like some sort of country version from if they're from Nashville. Yeah, there's a lot of singer-songwriters up there, and then there's a yeah. lot of weird rock and roll bands who like are way too slick because they're from Nashville. <laughs> right. I agree. Well, sweet, man. Um, I appreciate, uh, yeah, you coming on. Um, I'm glad I found your work because I think it's uh, it's it's one of those things that you could uh, stare at for a while and come back to and kind of wrestle with. And I like photographs that are like that, even films that are kind of like that, where you need to consume them more than once to try to get it. Awesome, yeah. Glad uh, you think that because it's like, Recently, I've been putting together, like, little, you know, portfolios and stuff for meetings. And uh, I'm just like, I can't even, like, see these pictures anymore. I don't even know if they're, like, I, like I physically can't see them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't even know what they are anymore. You're, like, numb. That's what makes you make better and better work is that you, like, something that you were pretty excited about a year ago seems mundane to you now. And, uh, and you can uh, trudge further along into the wilderness. <laughs> True. That is accurate, and I don't think that ever goes away. So I was like, I'd just, just end it all. I wouldn't be excited about life anymore. Yeah. But, uh, For sure. Anyway. Yeah. I hear you. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate your time, and uh, it was a lot of fun. That was good stuff. Awesome. Thanks a bunch.